0: Praise God, you may be seated. And we're doing a series called, Who Are You? Who are you? And I was inspired by that movie, Overcomer. If you have not seen it yet, make sure that you see it. It is a great, great movie. And one of the things in the movie was the question, Who are you? Many people uh, identify themselves by their career. They identify themselves by their 401k how much money they have, or how much money they do not have. Now, we are not to identify ourselves according to the flesh. Our identity cannot be according to how we feel. Our identity cannot be according to our past. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And some of the things we looked at last week was in Galatians, the second chapter in the 20th verse, and I will quote it to you. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Amen. It's like Teal Osborne said, you know, little I moved out and big I moved in. Amen. Weak I moved out and strong Jesus moved in. Now, in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, in the 17th verse, this is a great verse of Scripture. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. One translation says, As a new creation, we become a species that has never, ever existed before. Amen. Somebody says, how can that be? Why is that? Because Jesus in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection did something that had never been done before. And so I'm looking at a company of new creations. Say with me, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. So we want to spend some time unpacking some great scriptures for you. And I want to talk to you for a while about that you are chosen. Who are you? You are chosen. Ephesians, the first chapter in the fourth and fifth verse. From the NLT translation says this, it says, Long ago, even before the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us unto himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. You are the father's pleasure. You are, you are his son. You are his daughter. I like what, you know, in Matthew it says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So in eternity past, God pointed his finger at you and he said, I choose you. I choose you. It's good to know that you're chosen. It's good to know that you are accepted in the beloved. You are not rejected. Jesus suffered great rejection so you could experience great acceptance. Amen? Now the verses that we want to look closely at this morning is found over in 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to notice verse 9 and verse 10. Are you ready? Verse Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. Notice this with me. But you are a, what kind of generation? You are a chosen generation. That word chosen means you're select. It also means you are highly favored. You are a favorite of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation, which means that we are completely accepted. Now notice with me that word generation. Say it with me. I'm a chosen, generation. I'm a chosen. Generation. generation. Now the word generation and the word regenerated have the same root word. So being in Christ Jesus, amen, has given you a gene change. Amen. That means that you've been regenerated, or we could say it this way, you've been re Your genetic makeup no longer comes from Adam. Your genetic makeup no longer comes from your past. Your genetic makeup, your DNA comes from almighty God and the same qualities that he put in Christ, he put on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. There's a champion now living in your genetic line. And you know what his name is? His name is Jesus. God has done some genetic engineering in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. How many of you like new genes? I'm talking about in the natural realm. There's nothing like a new pair of jeans. You might have to put them in the washing machine to make sure some of the things get worked out. But new jeans are good. It's a great day where you can get rid of those old jeans and put on some new jeans. Well, I got a word for you today. The Bible says we're to put off the old man, the old jeans. And we're to put on the new man, the new jeans. Amen. Say, I've got some new jeans. And I'm going to wear my new jeans. You see, you and I are born of God. God is our father. Jesus is our older brother. And now there are some new things running in this family. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. So genetically, in the natural realm, you may have come from a family that was all messed up. Genetically, you may have come from a family where there was alcoholism, and there was adultery, and there was all sorts of things under the curse. But the good news is this, Jesus became a curse for us, and the curse of our past is now broken. And if there were people in your family tree that were alcoholics, you can, by the grace of God, say, this stops here. No more alcoholism in my life. No more alcoholism in my family. Well, I came from a family that was divorced. My, my dad was divorced. My granddad was divorced. You need to understand that divorce stops here. Because we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Can can you say amen? amen? So we are a chosen, a favorite generation with new genes. We are a royal priesthood. I'm looking at royalty today. Some of you don't believe that. Let me try it over here. I'm looking at royalty today. Amen. You're a royal priesthood. I'm going to prove that to you from the Word of God. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 and 6 points this out very clearly to us that we are royalty. In verse 5 it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in what? In his own blood. Now read verse 6 with me. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kings and priests unto God. The Bible says that we can reign as kings in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you got born again, Jesus gave you regal, kingly authority. As kings and priests unto our God. We are a royal priesthood. Now notice with me the word priesthood. The word priesthood means that we are a kingdom of priests. Now, in the Old Testament, they needed to go to the priest to atone for their sins every year. If they didn't go see the priest, they were in trouble. So they had to go through a man to get to God. You know, you no longer need a priest. I said, you no longer need a priest. Why? Because you is one. You are one. You do not have to confess your sins to a priest. You are a priest. You have access to your high priest. Amen? And you can go before the throne of grace as much as any prophet, as much as any pastor, as much as anyone can. Because you are a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. The veil has been broken. The veil has been torn down. Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. I feel like pouring some holy water on you today. (laughs) Weymouth's translation. Weymouth's translation says this. You are a priesthood of a kingly lineage. A priesthood of a kingly lineage. Now you've probably all heard of Ancestry.com. You know, there's some people in my family that want me to trace my ancestry. I'm not interested in tracing my ancestry. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You know, go ahead. You know, some people might discover that their family tree all it ever produces is a bunch of nuts. But, uh, in any rate, you know, we're we're not going to... I'm just not going to do that. You know, not going to do that. I I was getting a little cleanup on my hair the other day, and... And, uh, you know, she this uh, gal that was cutting my hair says, Oh, man, your hair is wavy. Your hair is curly. I said, Yeah. I said, I might have some African-American blood in me. And uh, that would be fine with me. Praise the Lord. And she said, You know, I did Ancestry.com. I said, Uh-oh. And she said, They discovered that part of my lineage was Neanderthal. <laughs> you know what Neanderthal is, right? caveman cavewoman. i mean how would you like to spend 50 bucks to find out that you came from a cave well thank god we didn't come from a cave we came from heaven we are in christ and christ is in us amen the hope of glory glory to god (laughs) can you just see the letter oh i got bad news you came from the neanderthal tribe But oh, thank God, we are a chosen generation. I've traced my lineage, and I have come from royalty. If you will look deeply into the word of God, you will find that you are a royal priest under God. Amen. And so 1 Peter 2, 9 again says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a select generation. You've been regened. You are a king and priest under God. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation a holy nation you are a peculiar people very interesting that word peculiar there doesn't mean you're an oddball no matter what you know people may think about you you're not an oddball you're peculiar all right but you're a purchased possession if you're taking notes today write down peculiar means a purchased possession in other words, in other words, you are God's own property. God's own property. You belong to God. We could say it this way, "You are of God." Now notice with me in First Corinthians chapter six. and notice in verse 19 and 20, it says, "What? Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, because you are bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are His. You are His purchased Highly prized, precious possession. I like that. Say it with me, I am my father's purchased, highly prized, precious possession. Precious possession. In First Peter, he says this in chapter one and verse eighteen. He says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things or things that can be destroyed like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. And in verse 19 says, But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Beautiful verse of scripture. I don't know whether we have the new century version or not, But let me read it to you. And if we do, that's a bonus. And says here, you know that in the past you were living in a worthless way, a way that was passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. You were bought not with something that ruins like silver and gold, but you were bought with the precious blood of Christ, who was like a pure and a perfect lamb. I love that verse of scripture. What this is saying is this. Is you and I have been saved from a worthless and a useless life. And there was only one thing that could redeem us and save us from uselessness and worthlessness. And that is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is pure. The blood of Jesus was holy. And there is life in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Say with me, I've been, with I've been bought with a price. Now what does this mean to us? We're talking about who we are. Who am I? I'm a chosen generation. Amen. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a highly prized, precious, purchased possession. What does this mean about our value? What this means is you and I are extremely uh, valuable. We are not just acceptable. We are priceless. Amen. Now, what is it that determines your worth? What is it determines our worth? Worth is established by the price that has been paid. Amen. Value depends on what someone is willing to pay for it right you know uh if you're selling a home for example what you need to do is get an appraisal and what does an appraisal do an appraisal compares the prices of other homes in your area so that they can establish a sales price now they may establish the sales price let's say at $150,000 would be nice right uh, you, you know, if the combs cost that much in this area, but they cost more. But just for the sake of an example, they may have established the appraisal at $150,000, but a person will only pay that 150000 if they esteem it as valuable to them. Amen? And sometimes houses even go for more than that. Sometimes there's 30 or 40 people wanting the same house. So a $150,000 house can go up to $180,000. And so price then is determined by the value on who owns it. How many of you know at auctions, things owned by celebrities cost more? A car owned by Elvis Presley is worth much more than yours. Basketball shoes worn by Mark Thomas, I mean, LeBron James. They're worth more than yours. A bed that was slept in by Abraham Lincoln is worth more than your bed. So what, is that, what am I saying? I'm saying that the owner often adds value to common things. Who do you belong to today? In Deuteronomy, it says... You are a holy people to the Lord your God. You are His treasured possession. There is no one that values you more than God. So don't devalue yourself. Don't belittle yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Don't allow yourself to live in a constant state of an inferiority complex. Don't allow yourself to uh, feel as though that you don't measure up, that you don't add up. How many of you know that's the devil's business? Right. Yeah. And the devil is a big L-I-A-R. Yeah. There is no inferior people in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Condemnation is a thing of the past yeah. when you become aware Of your right standing with God and that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Stop belittling yourself. Stop putting yourself down. That's a word for somebody today. You need to change your self talk. Change your self talk about what you see in the natural over to God talk, what you see in the Word of God. Believe God's Word. Declare God's Word. Say with me, I am accepted. Completely and totally in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We're extremely valuable. Why is that? Because Jesus gave His life for us. God valued us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Your value is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a purchased possession. What makes us peculiar? Well, while the world's economy may be going down, yours is going up. When everyone else is depressed, you're shouting and jumping. Now that's peculiar. That you should show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light, called you out of darkness, that word "called there means he called your name aloud. He called you out of darkness, and he didn't call us call us out of darkness to sit. He called us out of darkness to be praisers. He called us out of darkness that we may show forth the praises of him. Oh hallelujah. We've not been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God just to become fat Christians. Just to become well-fed Christians who just look for more, more. I want more, more. Eat, teacher, teacher, itch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. No, thank God. You've been called out of darkness as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, your rational worship. You have been called to bring praise to God. You have not been saved to sit. You have been saved to serve. Oh, now I'm preaching good. I lost a few amens there. Hallelujah. Since we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, To show forth the praises of Him. What do you say we take about 15 seconds and do that right now? Just lift up your hands. Glory to God. Lift up your voice. And give Him some praise today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Who has called you out of darkness. Into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe this. A key to keeping oppression off of our lives is to bring our praise up several notches. A major key to getting rid of the spirit of heaviness is to put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The garment of praise. The key to living above inferiority is to put on the robe of of righteousness amen i believe this as you put on the garment of praise based on who you are as a king and priest unto god he will lift you up out of mediocrity he will lift you up out of just kind of the normal experience of christianity it's easy to get bored with your walk with god if you're not walking with him It's easy to get bored as a Christian if you don't have any fire in you. It's easy to get bored as a Christian if you're just lukewarm. You know, the Bible says that he will spew us out of his mouth if we're lukewarm. He said, I would rather have you hot or cold. Amen. I'm telling you what, there is fire available to you this week at this impartation conference. I was, I was meditating yesterday, and, and this thought came to me, and it was very clear in my spirit. And I'm going to use a sports illustration, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a football game that was just absolutely boring. <laughs> you ever seen one of those before? Yeah. Now, I'll take an example. Last Thursday night, yeah, the Chicago Bears <laughs> and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah the final score was 10 to 3. I mean, everybody was just ready for the football season to open up. And so that game was so boring that I turned it off. And it was what I call a grinder. And a grinder is they might move the ball forward, you know, two yards, and then there's a penalty and they lose five. And then they throw the ball out of bounds, and then they punt the ball, and then the bears get the ball, and they might get a pass for five yards, but someone was holding, and it 's a ten yard penalty i mean and on and on it's a just it 's a grinder it 's a grinder, and at the end of the game, when they interview you know the winning team, they say well a win 's a win that 's all they could say you know." And I've seen it. I've seen it with the Golden State Warriors. And I know a little bit about basketball myself because I played it for a number of years. The older I get, the better I was. Amen. uh, But I've seen it in basketball. It's kind of like, well, Steph's not hitting his threes, right? I mean, he might have like one out of 13. and, And Clay maybe made a layup or two. But Draymond stepped up, and, and it was a, it was a grinder. It was just a, it was a grinder, and they, they won the game. You know, 105 to 103. And at the end of the game, they're saying, "Well, a win was a win. A win was a win." Well, that's kind of how I feel about our church this year. It's been a grind. I, I, I kind of like, I feel like we're grinding. That 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 we're moving three yards forward and then five yards back. And that we're doing the right things. We're praying. We're preaching, we're praising, but in my spirit, we need to get some touchdowns. We need to get some field goals. We need need to get some three-pointers. And and I thought of this the other day. I thought, well, you know, um, when people get injured and the superstars aren't hitting their threes, and the superstars aren't throwing the 50-yard touchdown, what the saying is among the, in the sports world, somebody is going to have to step up. Amen. And that's kind of how I feel about this church. There are somebodies in this pew that need to step up so that you can get in the game, if you will, and help us get some breakthroughs. Get some breakthroughs. And I believe that this impartation is a huge, huge event for this church. Because I believe that the ball is going to be moved forward. Now you're not as enthusiastic about it as I am. The, folks, the ball needs to be moved forward in this church. There's some people that need to get off the pew into the game. There's some people that need to step up and to step stand up and to step in. and it's not by might you can do all the preaching about serving all the preach about serving until you're red in the face but what we need my brothers and sisters is a supernatural movement of the ball a supernatural impartation so that we as a church can go from glory to glory to glory you see in a sense we've been stuck it's time to get things that have been stuck unstuck And prayer does that. And praise does that. And faith does that. But it's not just the prayer of a chosen few. It's not just the prayer of a women's meeting. It's not just the prayer of a Sunday night where all the saints stay home and watch football and don't come to church on Sunday night. No, it's not that. It is everyone invested. It is everyone moving in the things and in the plan of God. Amen? So I said all that to say that Say this: That God loves you. We love you, and we're believing God in this place for the ball to be moved forward. Amen. I believe that our best days are ahead, and the best is yet to come. Say so, it. I'm going to step up. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to step out. Was that was that clear enough? All right. I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen before. I've seen the ball move forward. The ball's going to move forward. We're heading for the goal line. We might be in the red zone right now, but we're heading for the goal line. Hallelujah. Now, in closing, turn to me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord gave me these words. These words. It's not time to give up. It's time to stir yourself up. Amen. It's not time to back up. It's time to gird up. Amen. And to gird up means to prepare for action. Amen. Hallelujah. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Are you getting anything out of this yeah. this morning? Yeah. Now notice this. You're a chosen generation. Hallelujah. You're a royal priesthood. Yeah. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Yeah. A highly prized, purchased possession. Yeah. We're showing forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness, brought us into his marvelous light. And wow. verse 10 says, which in time past, we were not a people. In time past, we were worthless. In time past, we were useless. But that's the past. But now, we are the people of God. But now, you are the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but oh, thank God, now that you're the people of God, you have obtained mercy. Let me tell you this there has never been a people or a nation like this blood-bought nation. I'm proud to be an American. We could sing that, right? But American is not my only nationality. Come on, somebody. You have family all over the world. You have a new citizenship. You're part of the blood-bought nation. We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. One translation says this. Once we were former nobodies, but now we are somebodies. Hallelujah. You know, people will stand in, on, on Sunset Strip. They'll stand in lobbies in Las Vegas waiting for some celebrity to come in. And even at church, you know, it's so easy to get celebrity minded. If a celebrity shows up to church, oh, did you see who was at church last night? Oh, my, my. Somebody came to church. Instead of saying that, we should say this. Do you know who was in church last night? We had a lot of somebodies. Amen. Listen to this statement. There are no nobodies in the father's family. There's no nobodies in the father's family. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, in the message it says this, this resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Getting, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches your spirit and confirms who you really are. We know who He is. And we know who we are. Father and children. It's the Father and His family. And in His family, there are no nobodies, only somebodies. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. With the same access to the throne of grace that any person will ever have. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus.